0: And bonjour, all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco in uh, November 3. So, hey, don't forget to turn your clocks whatever way we turn them (laughs) tonight. I can't tell you how many times I've either been to a garden talk an hour early or uh, showed up an hour late. That's not good when you do that. So uh, make sure you do your clocks tonight. Hey, uh, just in case you were listening last week, Barry Hoffer was my guest from Maples for All Seasons, and uh, most of the Japanese maples we talked about are on the front of my website today. Uh, I just want to say I've had the best birthday of my whole life. It's been going on for so long now, I can't believe it. (laughs) My friend Marie brought me a homemade chocolate cake that was so good. It's very much gone now, but I enjoyed it while it lasted. And uh, also, I am going to give a uh, restaurant review right now. You know that I never give bad reviews, only good ones, but boy, is this a good one. So, Il Terrazzo Carmine, I think it might be, or Carmine, and... uh, it is located, let me see, where that, at 411 First Ave South. It's really near Jackson Street, and it's in a place called Merrill Place. And I didn't know this was going to be a birthday party for me. I was just meeting a bunch of great friends. And the restaurant, you feel like you're in Naples when you walk in there, and um uh, Best of all, the server was a a great friend, and so John served us and kept us laughing through the whole dinner. He is so great. I had halibut. Mary had vegetarian pasta. They gave me a little cake at the end with a candle, and I blew it out, so I'm going to get my wish. (laughs) Best birthday ever. It was so fun. So uh, all you friends, thank you. And uh, let me tell you, Il Tarrazo Carmine is really great. It gets uh, five Brussels sprouts. That's even higher than my biggest award. Two quick announcements, today. I have a guest here that we're going to have some fun talking. So, uh, hey, the Northwest Orchid Society is having their fall show and sale at Swanson's. It's going on today and tomorrow. Today till 5, tomorrow from 10 to 4, and I'm going to be uh, by Swanson's tomorrow. So uh, maybe I'll see some of you there, and I, I hope I can keep from coming home with too many orchids. <laughs> I've already got a little lecture from Mary. Don't overdo it, buddy. Hey, um, so hey, uh, anyway, that that Northwest Orchid Society fall show that's on sale at Swanson's, uh they have talks repotting they'll help you repot your plant they're going to have an amazing orchid display they're selling orchids like crazy and uh, admin is free and it's open to the public one other thing and that is uh that the uh evergreen chrysanthemum show is going uh today and tomorrow it goes till 4 today 10 to 4 tomorrow That is over at the Volunteer Park Greenhouse. It's totally free, open to the public, and wait till you see some of these chrysanthemums. I mean, these are not the ones you see that you plant in your garden and look add nice color in the fall. These things have flowers like nothing you've ever seen. They're huge, fantastic, so uh, really a lot of fun. Okay, now I get to introduce my good friend, Carolyn <laughs> Osorio. You've heard her uh, here on uh, doing the news and uh, all kinds of things here at Cairo at many, Sisco. many times.
1: Yeah, so now I'm on Seattle's Morning News at 5 a.m. I host Bright and Early, and <laughs> I did a feature about what we did together oh, last week. Oh, is that fun? When we went to the Amazon Spheres to see. I can't pronounce the scientific name. I actually flubbed it when I was doing it. on. So what is the scientific name? It's a
0: titanium. And a phallus means uh, oddly shaped phallus. So need I say more?
1: (laughs) I love watching you try to explain that because when we were there, was that the thing that was drooping? Yeah, that
0: was drooping. (laughs) It was very droopy. It It had done its thing, you know? It's like... They only bloom. Some of them start to fade after twelve hours. Sometimes they'll stay for twenty four. I've seen some stay for forty eight hours. And we should tell people these amorphophallus uh, titaniums. They or call for them. people
1: like for people like me, the corpse flower yeah. is easier to say, and yeah. they call it morticia. So yeah. it smells like. Stinky, you've got the best description. You describe it because...
0: Well, well, it's really fun because they've done scientific tests. Now, this thing wants to attract carrion beetles and flesh flies, so it's <laughs> got to smell like a big chunk of rotting corpse, you know, And uh, but they've done studies and they've actually looked and they smell like uh, rotting fish, stinky socks... <laughs>
1: feces, and limburger cheese. Oh my gosh. And it did smell really bad. But for people like <sighs> you and Justin, who was our horticulturalist, who basically oh, yeah. showed us around adjusting. the Amazon. Yeah. Speed, he couldn't keep his nose out of it. Like no. you guys, you both were like, "What? what is it about the corpse flower that is makes? Because thousands of people came to see her bloom.
0: Well, well they're very rare. You know, they they come from Java and uh, other parts of uh, Indonesia.
1: So like the rainforest, this is something we Yeah, see they're in the a rainforest. rainforest plant. I can't even
0: imagine what it'd be like to walk through a f- rainforest and see these, you know, six to 10 foot tall flowers standing up, although I think you'd want to wear a gas mask or something. <laughs> well, oh.
1: if you're the average person, you probably would, but if you're a horticulturist, like you want to grow these in your backyard, oh, right, yeah. for well, the neighbors. I,
0: I grow an amorphophallus at my house called the Morphophallus cone jack. It's much smaller. <laughs> the, con- the cone jack? But it can still get seven feet tall, or several feet tall, but the flower's not 100 pounds like this guy is, you know.
1: And now, is this one of the flowers that you put, that you dig up? Because this was so interesting when I went in towards your garden. You have gar- you have plants that you put out in the springtime, but then every- at the end, you will dig them up and put them in your garage that you have all souped up to be like uh, the Amazon forest, right? Yeah, you
0: should see it right now. (laughs) It is so packed, but there's still plenty you need to go in. Well, I grow one amorphophallus in a pot. That one goes into the garage. I also grow one in the garden, but I have to cover it Uh, It hasn't even died back yet. Wow. Which is amazing. So I'll cover that when it dies back because it's got a big corm underground and it has to get bigger every year. I'll never get a flower. I'll cover that with fern fronds, which repel excess water.
1: Wow. And it's a
0: great insulator. That's a real trick people need to know that you can use those over dahlias, leaving the garden, all kinds of bulbs. So like
1: your regular sword ferns that you find, you just clip those and then- you put them over.
0: Yeah, you the, put whatever them about uh, foot deep. Put a rock or stick on top so they don't blow blow away.
1: Man, yeah, you know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, Cisco. Was wow.
0: really There's only one funny thing that I discovered when I started doing that. <laughs> that is, I have I have Swordford's growing everywhere in my garden because <laughs> they all have those. They have the what you call the bottom. Them, you know the the little things that start them growing again. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I love the, I love sword ferns though I mean it's oh, such a I Pacific Northwest thing they're but they're wonderful. so they're so beautiful but back to the yeah. so you, when we went there it's like it's like a potato they got the corm yeah. not not comb but corm with an r with yeah, an r yeah even
0: though it looks like a bulb to the average person but it's actually uh, kind of a, a big chunk of root
1: okay so the UW gave it to them and then all of a sudden they. They had it because Amazon grows all their all their stuff in in Bothell. I think they have yeah. up north, and then it started getting like the. This is like ten years in. They have this this corn, and they see that it's starting to sprout. So they brought it uh-huh. to the Amazon spheres. I think back in October, yeah, um, which is not very long ago either, September, or October, no. and it grew like really three fast.
0: inches a day. I just that's incredible it grew until it got a, over six feet tall. And you know, and then uh, when the flower starts to open, that's when the real excitement comes. Because the, the actual flowers, what what, we're, what you're looking at when you see the big corpse flower is a brack that's a modified leaf. And okay. it's green and red because it wants to look like meat. You know? It's crazy. But and the flowers are on the spadix, which is the thing in the middle and there's male and female flowers on there that are. Uh, well, quite that a,
1: caused uh, quite a controversy at the Amazon Spheres. I don't know if we have time to talk about well, it now. Let's. But what,
0: let's uh, we'll keep we'll, talking about okay, this after okay. the break. So, hey, we're going to take a break right now on 97.3 Cairo FM, and then we'll be right back. Carolyn Osorio is here with me. We're talking about the big Amorphophallus titanium corpse flower that just bloomed at uh, Amazon Spheres. Hey, uh, thanks a lot for tuning in today. What a rainy day. Good one to stay home. Forget going out in the garden today. (laughs) But uh, maybe tomorrow will be better. But uh, right now, hey, and I will take uh, calls after the half hour. But right now, we are talking about that incredible giant corpse flower that we saw over in the Amazon spheres. And we were just talking about how it was a little controversial yeah, be- because they kind of cut a chunk out of the front of the flower. So, but the reason they did that is because they want to pollinate. Uh, the, those. Yeah, they
1: pollinated it by hand because yeah. if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. There's no like bees or bugs or anything hmm. inside the spheres. Yeah, it's totally controlled by the horticulturists, right? Yeah, and, and chances are there wouldn't be a lot
0: of carrion beetles. <laughs> And flesh flies in (laughs) there anyway. But so, uh, yeah, so they hand pollinated it. and, And then if they get some viable seed out of there, they get great big berries. Yeah. So
1: inside this, they cut a hole, and it was right after it bloomed, and so then they posted a picture on Instagram, and people were like, "What did you do that for?" And so Justin (laughs) did a really good job of explaining that. Yeah,
0: because it's not going to hurt the plant anyway. It's already fading. It's going to, you know, kind of fall apart soon. And uh, if all goes well, though, they'll probably move that big coarse flower back to the greenhouse. But if all goes well, they'll get berries full of seed. They'll be able to share those with other, you know, botanical organizations. So,
1: so yeah. That's and if really you exciting. if you want to see the 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 bloom itself, they did a what is that called? Where they do a fifteen hour and then they encapsulate oh, yeah, it into it. so you can see it really quick within fifteen seconds. But if you go to Seattle Spheres um, on their Instagram page, they have that. But another thing that was really interesting as we were standing there and I was like, why does this? Flower, do this. Why does it have to be this overachiever? Isn't that in, amazing? And yeah, and like it's like the 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 person who goes to a party and there's all these beautiful people <laughs> and they go uh, there and they're uh, like totally the uh, opposite of that. And so you know, you did a great job of explaining why that is. Why does it try to look like rotten meat and smell like it to attract the beetles? Yeah.
0: Well, every plant has to find its own niche to be able to yeah. keep reproducing. And that you know, when you think about the rainforest. It's full of uh, all kinds of flowers trying to attract the bees and, you know, fragrant flowers are trying to attract moths. It's
1: competitive out there. It's It's a jungle out there. It's very
0: competitive. So this giant corpse flower found its own niche. How it evolved that way, I don't understand. Maybe one was growing next to something that died and, you know, noticed all these uh, beetles come. But so they evolved to uh, really Just smell like rotting meat and look like rotting meat even inside. You know, we don't notice that much from outside. Uh, It's pretty darned incredible. So, um, yeah, it just found its own niche. And, you know, uh, not only that, the spadix, the part in the middle, it actually uh, warms up.
1: Right to like 90 to degre- 90 yep. degrees So it
0: volatizes all those odors makes them fly way way farther and even uh, something that died right away is kind of warm and everything yeah, so yeah. That, so it really fools the poor carrion beetles and think how disappointing <laughs> that would be you
1: fly all the way over there and where's the meat? Well, and I, I was gonna ask you do they end up getting anything out of it is this are they totally fooled? like the beetles and the flies, like because they're going to go there and they're going to go inside and they're going to take that pollen and they're basically going to do like what bees do, honeybees do to the beautiful flowers. And so do they get anything out of it? They don't get a darn
0: thing, I don't think. (laughs) Because, you know, they go down, they check out the the female parts down there, you know, the pistols, and they go, well, there's nothing to eat here, nowhere to lay (laughs) our eggs. On their way out, they have to go through the pollen. So they get covered with pollen and then they come out and they go, oh, wow, something else died over there. I can go over there. And then they go over there and a flower is just starting to bloom because the female parts, uh, you know, become active first. And then they go in there and then they're like, not again. You know? Yeah. Hopefully, you know, they find something pretty soon so they still get you know, they'll still get to eat. Yeah, we uh-huh. don't have to
1: feel bad for these beetles and flies, right? <laughs> that annoy us. Uh-huh. But you know, it's just amazing and it's really cool that the Amazon spheres that they have that. So it attracted over five thousand people and they ended wow. up staying late, you know, to to accommodate all the people who wanted to go. So, you know Well, and you know what else cool. is
0: cool? You know, they, they're open, what is it, four, four times a year or something where the public can come in on the weekends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's twice a month but I could be wrong twice but Yeah, a month. and month and they were jazzed because it just so happened on you know cool. fate would have it and it was going to bloom on one of the times that the people and then they ended up staying staying yeah, open late
0: you know it's kind of fun because one person actually lost their cookies <laughs> these things do smell strong <laughs> let me tell you they do smell strong and that's why <laughs> it was so
1: fun to see you and Justin like you guys were just total ner- nerding out completely about. I mean what is this like for you as a horticulturalist exciting and
0: fascinating. And, you know, uh, so I'm a horticulturist. I'm also an amateur entomologist because, you know, I used to teach bugs at the grade schools (laughs) and everything. And so I got a twofer here, you know, because (laughs) it's fascinating about how the insects are attracted and how they work. And then you also get to see one of the world's most fascinating and rare experiences, seeing a giant flower, you know, the corms can weigh 300 pounds alone. The top weighs at least 100 pounds. You got a 400 pound flower there, you know, over, sometimes over 10 feet tall.
1: And that is like why this is so amazing to me because so much work, 10 years. Like, the, yeah. you know, the passion that people have for the natural world. Is is living and breathing with the corpse flower, which is like which is like like diametrically opposed to what you would think when you think of a dead flower. But I mean, it's true that they would nurture it for so long, wait for these, and then who knows how many all they'll be able to blossom with the 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 seeds or whatever they did. Yeah,
0: with it. yeah. yeah. So we may see one every year if we're really lucky, you know. And uh, even at home, like my amorphophallus konjac that I grow. <laughs> I, I'm I wait seven years sometimes oh before my I ever God. get exactly. to see a bloom on that thing. But it's but just think of the excitement when it blooms.
1: Yeah, and the neighbors Born
0: your neighbors lot. just love you. Yeah, yeah. I put a, I always put them out on the other side of the fence where the neighbors get to appreciate <laughs> the nice odor.
1: Because you're a giver. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a giver, all right. Carolyn, thanks Thank so you. much for coming in. That was too fun talking about
1: the giant corpse flower with Yeah. Ya? Check it out, guys. It's really cool.
0: It's really cool. Hey, we're gonna go to the news. We'll be back. 973 Cairo FM. I'll be taking your calls. 188-973-Cairo. 138-973-5476. Yeah, you betcha. Hey, let's go to Boston and talk to Steve right now, see what's going on over there. Hey, Steve, what's happening?
2: Hello, Cisco. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Hey, I have a yard that I just had the sod removed and replaced it with brand new sod, Um, but I I have a really large maple on the side of my yard that is dropping leaves. And I know I'm not supposed to walk on the lawn, but uh, rather than having a carpet of leaves to, that will choke out the lawn, I'm trying to blow off the leaves and keep it clear every day. Uh, any advice on how I can, one, maintain it so that uh, I get good results? And then uh, with that, when should – we put it down a week ago – uh, when should we look at winterizing it or adding nutrients? Oh
0: okay, those are great questions now, when you put the sod down, did you fertilize?
2: Yes, we put down uh, we put down uh, a premier uh, dirt and a uh, some starter fertilizer over the area um, and and then laid the sod
0: okay i I think you could do a second fertilizing uh, probably right after uh, Thanksgiving, any time after Thanksgiving until the end of the first week in December. So if you got a kind of dry day that's good for fertilizing, you could put uh, – and I, it, this is one of the cases where I would not use organic fertilizer because it might not break down if it's too cold. In this case, you want to use a slow-release fall and winter fertilizer on your lawn. So okay. So anytime during then. Now, right now, it's really important to keep those leaves off the grass because they really will suffocate the grass if you let them pile up. You don't want them on there for more than a day. So, uh Okay. But I know it's got to be hard to get out there and use that blower without walking on the grass, you know. Plus, all your neighbors will probably want to shoot you for doing so much blowing. But um, so what I would do, if you got to get out on the grass, if you've got some, you know, uh, wide pieces of wood, um, uh, you know, anything like that that you could put out there, something to walk on. It's so wet right now that if you step on the sod— It's liable to push the spots where your feet are hitting into the ground a little bit, and that's the last thing you want. You want it to stay really smooth. So, you know, putting plywood or something down you could walk on isn't a bad idea. You know, it's a pain. You'll have to get it off somehow and all that. But uh, if you can figure out anything that will work like that, that will help a lot.
2: Okay, and then... Uh, another question, so somebody was mentioning the the drip edge of the tree, um, so basically like the the edge of the tree where it uh, will drip onto the lawn does that is that gonna cause issue with the lawn going forward because we've always had problems with uh, the lawn and that you know in the front uh, that's why we replaced it, so I'm trying to trying to start over and and keep the moss from coming back
0: well, actually. <laughs> It's the whole, the tree, it's not the drip line of the tree you got to worry about. It's the tree because, see, grass hates shade. And if it's shady under the tree or, or you know, it blocks the sunshine to your garden, then your lawn's never going to really grow that great. No matter what you do, it's always going to thin out. You're always going to get a lot of moss, and there's really no grass uh you know fescue grass does better in shade than any other kind but there's no grass that really does well in shade so unfortunately uh that tree is going to always cause trouble for your lawn you you could still have a decent lawn you don't want to uh overwater over fertilize too much but um at, but you don't want to underwater either you know just try and find a good balance but, uh, you know, so you can keep a lawn going, but eventually it will thin out and you'll have problems again, and there's not much you could do if it's a shady lawn.
2: What would you suggest I, I add lime to the lawn?
0: Okay, you want to do that at a time not too near when you put fertilizer down. If you put fertilizer and lime down at the same time, it forms this weird gas. It doesn't make you talk funny or giggle or anything. <laughs> but what it, what it does do is it makes all the nitrogen in the fertilizer turn to gas and fly away. So uh, you, can, you can add lime. You know, I would say if you want, you can wait, you know, uh, a couple weeks. Let's see. Oh, we're pretty close to Thanksgiving. So I would, I'd probably do the fertilizing. I think that's more important than the lime. And then I would probably wait uh, three weeks, and then I'd put the lime down. The the, okay, peop- well, that's- the people that put your lawn that the sod in, they should have added lime when they before they put the. Uh, they could have worked lime into the soil then. That's the most effective way. But, hey, that's the way life goes. Things don't always work the way you so, uh But liming in about three weeks would be a good idea. You know, it isn't a bad idea to have a soil test done. Do a soil test on that new soil you got. Send that, you know, you could do a search on the computer. There's a whole bunch of places that do soil tests. They send you a little kit. You send it back. And then you'll know how much lime you need and, and uh, other nutrients that might be missing from that soil.
2: All right, fantastic. Hey, I appreciate your, uh, your advice.
0: Hey, great. Well, good luck with that lawn. That's nice to have a beautiful new lawn. You know, I, I hope it lasts a long time for you.
2: Hey, well, we just want to keep it looking good.
0: I'm with you. All
2: right, good luck. Bye bye.
0: All right. Hey, listen. We'll take a break. I hope you'll give me a call. Uh, I do have some emails with me, so I w- we won't be stuck just listening to me do a soliloquy. <laughs> so, what? 973, Cairo. One triple eight nine seven three five four seven six. Back after this. Let's head to Bellingham next, and we've got a Terry on the line. Hey, Terry, what's happening? How's it going, Cisco? Oh, just fantastic. A little soggy, but other than that, doing good.
3: <laughs> well, that's part of the question I wanted to ask you. This is, is, I thought of another question, too, was here. Uh, I called you ways back and uh, about rhododendrons, and I had a clay soil, and you had me uh, build them up on a berm. Great. Um, is now, is now a good time to fertilize those? And do I want to fertilize the whole berm or closer to the trunk or what?
0: I wouldn't fertilize uh, rhododendrons now at all. I think the fertilizer okay. would just end up leaching through the ground. It wouldn't do any good. Wait until okay. I would do it in uh, early April. And I would use early organic April. rhododendron food.
3: Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I've got. Is it okay, the stuff I have now, is it still going to be good, being oh. organic?
0: Oh, yeah, organic, all fertilizer. If it doesn't get wet, it lasts pretty much indefinitely, so okay, you don't well, have my to secondary worry.
3: Question. Huh? That's my secondary question. Oh, okay. My primary question is another grass question. Okay. Um, I want to put, like, a grass walkway. I've got kind of like an area I'm building into, like, a sanctuary area. And okay. I want to have a grass walkway that goes serpentines around through it. What's the best grass for that? And it is a sunny area, and I want to have it about, oh, maybe three to four feet wide.
0: Okay. You know, um, the grass that we used at Seattle University on our athletic fields is perennial rye. Perennial rye can take okay. traffic better than any other kind of grass. However, it's a clumping grass. So if you used all perennial rye, you'd you'd have to, it's kind of a high-maintenance grass. In other words, you would have to uh, reseed a lot and, you know, really watch the fertilizing and everything. So what I recommend is you mix that. I think I'd go 50-50 perennial rye fine fescue. So it could be a finer chewing fescue fescue, and you want perennial rye in there, 50-50 by weight. So if you look at a lot of the sunshine mixes at your uh, local garden store, what you're going to see is it's going to be, if it's a sunshine mix, it should be about 50-50 perennial rye fine fescues. But there will be a lot of different kinds of fine fescue in there, or chewing fescue, and there will be a lot of different kind of perennial rise in there, and that's just what you want. Because if you get a disease or something, it might get some of them, but some might be immune to the disease. So uh, that really minimizes the problems you have. So,
3: so I would go both with that mix, can, huh? Both of those can handle. Both of those can handle a short cut, like Yeah, a, yeah, a, like I think. Not as much like a golf green, but. You know, a little
0: taller than that. Yeah, you know you know. what's interesting? Grass is the only living plant you can walk on. There's no other plant you can walk on regularly that'll survive. So you're picking a perfect plant to put in that into your uh, thing that you're building. They should... I think that mix that I gave you is going to have the best chance of doing well of anything. And then, you know... If you give it a little extra care, you know, aerate it once a year maybe and and overseed with the same mix and rake it into the aeration holes. And if you do that once a year, you can do it spring or fall. I think what you're going to find is that that lawn is going to do great. It's really good. It's out in the sunshine. That makes a big difference. So I think the pathway you're building with grass, I think it's going to do great with that mix.
3: Do I need to run irrigation along the sides of it, or is it pretty drought tolerant?
0: Or? Uh, no, it's not drought. You know what? Grass just is not drought tolerant at it's all. Not, I gotta
3: water it either way.
0: You're gonna have to water it if you want it to stay in good shape. You gotta water it pretty often. So here's a big tip for you: that is, when you put this this lawn pathway in, you're gonna wanna, you know, probably add some compost when you put it in. You don't want to add soil unless, you know, it's better to add compost unless you have to really raise the level of the grass or something. So you could work compost in, work uh, 10 pounds of lime in. Uh, Let me think about this for a minute. Add one pound of lime, agricultural lime, for every 10 uh, square feet of lawn. So you're going okay. to work that in with your rototiller or by hand, however you're going to do it. And then when you get that all smoothed out and really nice, and you're also going to add in two inches of compost at the same time on the surface. Time, and then yeah. you could till that in with the lime. And then after you do all that and you smooth it all out, which is a real pain in the kazutski, let me tell you. It's a lot of work. <laughs> Get it all smoothed out the best you can. Then you can fertilize it with a good organic lawn food and uh, keep it moist. But uh, it's too late in the year to do this plan you have now. Yeah.
3: Yeah, do that yeah, next it's year be a springtime project
0: yeah and you can you can you could do it by seed or you can you could find somebody that has this exact same uh sod mix the same seed question. mix can in the sod. when
3: right, you get the right q and the sod yeah
0: yeah so you can get it inside too you have to call around find a good mix and uh There's one advantage to doing sod in that you don't get near as many weeds growing it. When you put in a a lawn uh, by seed, you do a lot of weeding until it all finally balances out. You You don't get as many
3: blisters
0: either. No, you're right. You don't get as many blisters. But the real work is getting the ground, getting the soil in good shape for the grass. That's... That's where right. you don't want to skimp. You got to do a really good job on that. Then okay, so the rest a
3: pound, for, a pound for every 10 square feet. Yep. Of life.
0: Okay. Yeah.
3: All right, listen,
0: okay, I want right. to hear that this I want to hear that this is a total success.
3: Well, I'll send you some pictures next summer.
0: All right, it's a deal. All right, take care this. Hey, Terry, thanks so much. Really really appreciate the call. Take care. Okay, let's see. All right, we don't have any more callers on the line, but I only have a couple more minutes, anyways. So I'm gonna just remind you that the uh, Northwest Orchid Society Fall Show and Sale is going on at Swanson's Nursery today and tomorrow. So it's going till five today, ten to four tomorrow, and there are like I at last they I just counted how many uh, orchids they're gonna have there. Twelve billion nine hundred and forty two different kinds. So that's a lot of fun. If you got an orchid you need transplanting, bring it with you. They'll help you transplant it. They'll uh to repot it, you know, and uh they're gonna have speakers so you can learn all about growing your own orchids. And it's hard in the house, but it can be done. Totally free for the public. Then the other one is the Evergreen Chrysanthemum Show. And that's at Volunteer Park. It's in the conservatory there, and it's open till four today and t- ten to four tomorrow. Free to the public. And uh, if you heard me in the beginning of the show, those those chrysanthemums are amazingly beautiful. Some of them you can't believe they're chrysanthemums. They're just shockers. I think that people grow these in their greenhouses uh, as really incredible plants because. I don't think you could grow one in the house too easy. I may be wrong about that. And I can't, I just can't see how you could keep these alive outside. But maybe you can. They're going to have a billion experts around at both of these uh, shows to tell you how to keep these plants alive. I'm sure they're selling lots of these really cool chrysanthemums too, so... uh, I hope you get a chance. I'm going to be at Swanson's tomorrow. Also, I want to thank Swanson's. They've been loaning me some cool plants that I've been showing on New Day uh, on Channel 5. And Monday, I'm going to be on New Day. Uh, The show starts at 11. I never know when I'm going to be on. And I'll be showing some of those cool conifers that turn color in the fall. Hey, Brian, thanks so much, buddy. Hey, we'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye.